The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Well, good morning and welcome to the Source of Truth podcast. And thank you for starting your week off with us here on the, on the podcast and a live stream devotional. And we are glad you're with us on this Monday as we begin the week off. And, uh, and not only begin the week off, we begin into a brand new study. As we jump from, we've been doing mostly Genesis as we've been looking through the idea of living the dream, looking at the dream that God gave Joseph, and now we're changing over to a new book. And uh, I like to do um, devotionals through books if I can. I like the study. I like the continuity that comes with it, giving us a chance to dig down a little deeper into some of the books. It also is a great way for those watching may be able to get some uh, tips on how to do it. Um, And so we're going to dig deep into this book. And so my goal in studying the book of Ruth is i uh, got several hopes in it. One, uh, we get to really understand this premise of what's called the kinsman redeemer. Uh, we know later, and I won't go into all the detail now because when we actually get around to the part of the kinsman redeemer, we'll talk about it. But we know that at one point, Ruth, who really was a, a foreigner in the land to, for Boaz to become her kinsman redeemer, uh, it's really what everything points to, the entire book. I believe everything points to that point. We know that Ruth ultimately becomes one of the ancestral great-grandmothers of Jesus. And again, least likely person. She's a Moabite. Uh, she's not supposed to be there. And frankly, as we'll talk a lot about today and next to tomorrow, um, her marriage to this man probably should have never happened. They should have never been there. And so while we're looking at we look again, and not, not that God brought a lot of bad things to happen to force these things to get around where Ruth would meet Boaz. Just the opposite. In spite of a list of bad decisions that took place and a list of things that were happening um, that shouldn't have, horrible things happened. We, you'll find out, you know, we'll talk about this, that Naomi's husband's died or sons die. All, just in, 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 I don't, I'm not convinced it's punishment. I don't think that God punished them for leaving, as we'll talk about in a moment. But it's easy if you're not careful, and I've heard a lot of people do this in the book of Ruth, where they really focus heavily on most of this is God's punishment, and oh yeah, the kinsman redeemer at the end. I, I don't buy that. I think we'll look at the fact that there are people who make poor decisions, there are people who sin, and God is yet still in his, his entire premise is redemption reconciliation and redemption. And if someone is willing to acknowledge their responsibility, take responsibility for their actions, repent of their sin and move forward, God has always given an opportunity for them to move beyond any decision and anything they have been participating in. And that's what we really want to focus on. Uh, I think beating people up with a scripture that's taken out of context only defeats the purpose of what God gave us the Bible for. So we're going to evaluate this. Let me give you a little bit of context. And so let's go ahead. The first verse first couple verses give us an understanding of what's going on. Because we talked about the fact that uh, the Bible is one narrative, and so it's no coincidence that Ruth was placed right after the book of Judges uh, because they are actually in the same time frame. So if you were to study the book of Judges, you're going to find what uh, I like to call a cycle of sin. So you've got the, the Jewish people to prosper, they're growing, 
Um, they're seeing God's blessing. They get, they get apathetic and they begin to fall into sin. They run away from God. They fall into sin. They live in sin. God puts them into captivity as a result of their sin. They're in captivity for a period of time. God brings a judge who judges them and helps them and gets them out of their captivity. And then they just start that cycle over and over. And there's a list of judges through the book. Before they had a king, that's what their job was, is to get them out. They were supposed to be ruled by the judges. Uh, they just didn't like that. They didn't, they want, you know, ultimately, though, they wanted a king, and that just, that became a problem in and of itself. But what we see then is you're seeing the highlight of what the judges did, and you're seeing the highlights of how these judges acted. And uniquely enough, dare I say, there was, you know, they were the ones that ruled the land, but there was a female judge in here in, in the book of Judges. And so we look a little bit, if you take some time, you get a little understanding of God's view of women in the Old Testament, that he placed one of them in charge of the nation. So it's an interesting point. We won't get into that now. But if you look through, you, you think of Gideon and you think of um, Samson. and we, So we go through all these stories and you see from the book of Judges, you see the majority of these stories from the point of view of the judge, point of view of the guy in charge or the lady in charge or things of that nature. So what I want to do is I went, one reason I went to Ruth is I like that what you get is you get a small glimpse of what it was like to live in these times. And Elimelech, Ruth's father, father-in-law technically, um, Naomi's husband, decides to make a decision based upon what's going on. So let's go ahead and jump into the first couple of verses. If nothing else, just to give us some context and background into the book. So Ruth, uh, Ruth chapter 1, verse 1 says, Now it came to pass in, those day, in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. So let's just stop there for a second because those couple phrases really give us a better understanding of what it was that this family was living through. So we know that judges lived, were ruled in the land. So they lived during the time of all of these judges. It could have been any list. I am gonna give you my opinion, my opinion of what I think was happening. Uh, when you talk about the famine, um, I think it was probably during the time of Gideon. And Gideon, the famine was unique in that aspect because you have the Amorite army um, that was oppressing them. So they couldn't really grow anything because if they grew something, then it was taken away. And so they were living in this famine type setting, to be honest with you. And so people were trying just to get out. They were just getting away from the oppression and they disappeared. And so in, in, this, in this horrible time, please understand, when you're under oppression, you, let's, let's just say it was Gideon, if I'm right, and it was a time of Gideon. Let's talk a little bit about this. You remember, if you study the story of Gideon, where the angel of God comes, the messenger angel of God comes, and he tells Gideon he's going to be the deliverer, the judge, the deliverer of the people. Where does he find Gideon? Hiding in a cave. Uh, Gideon was the, from one of the smallest families of his tribe, from one of the smallest tribes in Israel. Uh, he was weak. There was nothing about Gideon that would have said, man, I can't wait to follow this guy. Something about him that he was at least enough to walk with God to recognize it because he ultimately tore down the idol that was built and the, the, four, the four altar that was built and understood they need to get the heart focus back on God. And so, you know, he recognized what was going on. So there was enough in Gideon to recognize the true God, for God to call upon him. And, but they find him hiding. And then Gideon, like, okay, God, I'll serve you if you can give me three or four proofs. You know, we, we talk about Gideon's fleeces. One day the fleece was dry and the ground was wet. The next day the fleece was wet and the, gry, the ground was dry. And on multiple occasions, even down to the day before the battle, God continued 
to do great miracles, to show Gideon what's going on. But in the midst of this, this army was oppressing them. And let me tell you, we won't go into detail, but the oppression that these kind of people put upon others, it was enslaving the people, stealing food from them, and then just any large list of, of horrible things can happen to a people enslaved by another nation. Uh, when you're enslaved by somebody, there's no value to you. And so that's, that's what they lived in. So can I say that when you think about this, from a human standpoint, we could all sit back and say, you know what? I fully get why Elimelech grabbed his family and moved to Moab. It just makes complete sense. Get out of there. All right, we'll get to that in a second. So we see that they lived in the days and the judges ruled and there was a famine in the land. So we see just alone the, 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 the economic oppression. So you take the judges are ruling possibly under oppression, the economic struggle. I can't make money here. I can't do, I can't do any of this. And so I'm just going to get out where I can at least take care of my family. So it says in the second half of the verse, And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And it's interesting, sojourn. Uh, his plan wasn't to be permanent. He wasn't moving. He wasn't relocating. He was like, I'm just going to go down until I find out the famine's gone. So we're free from the captivity or whatever it is, and, and there's peace back, then I'll go back. But I, I'm just going to go down for a period of time. I'm just going to go down. Now, it ended up being more. His, his sons married daughters, and so it obviously ended up being more than that, or at least... Uh, grew more than they thought it would. Is it, it not abnormal? Well, please remember, depending on what time of the cycle we talked about that these, these people were in, you know, we, I, I hear people, let me, let me step back a second before I uh, say where I'm going. I'm going to give a little bit of context here. A lot of the arguments and criticisms uh, um, when they talk about this, that Limelech should have never taken his family out of Bethlehem, Judah, and gone to Moab because God had commanded them never to intermarry and intermingle with the other nation. They were just considered evil. God said, just don't do it. You marry and you, and you live within your own people. Uh, please understand that it is not necessarily a rule that was followed through Scripture. That's not how God looks at it today. Uh, it was a rule given to the Jewish people, and it was only to the Jewish people. Please understand that how, uh, don't, don't take that. Some people take that out of context to apply it to today in a very inappropriate context of saying, well, you can only marry people your race and things. It's not the way the Bible has it stated. Do not, do not be confused by that. But there was a command to the children of Israel for a lot of different reasons, don't go down. And we'll talk about actually the command and all that tomorrow. But don't go down, don't do this. Moab knew that he shouldn't have gone down. And one of the primary reasons was of the pagan gods down in Moab or in these other nations. But here's a thought to consider. We can sit back and people like to judge and criticize Moab or Elimelech. I can't believe you did that. You're going down by pagan worship. You remember one of the reasons that the Israeli people were often thrown into slavery, into bondage, is because they as a group had chosen to follow the gods of other nations. So if there's a famine... If they're, under, if they're in slavery or, or oppressed by another person, you know what's probably going on? They have chosen to follow and worship a false god. That's ultimately the thing that drove them into slavery was their refusal to worship God and to follow the wrong god. So for them to leave and to go to Moab and you say it's evil because of their false gods, I get it, but they're leaving, worship, they're leaving their hometown of Bethlehem, Judah, where they're worshiping a false god, to go to Moab, where they might very well be worshiping the same god. So uh, be careful in this part. A lot of times we like to put ourselves bigger because, you know, hey, let's go from a practical point of view. We're Christians and we're church people and all this and all that. If we just get rid of all of the pomp and circumstance that comes, what we think comes with being a churchgoer, 
We're no different. We're, at the heart, we're desperately wicked, as, as every other person in the world is. So we can think sometimes that we, we like to think to ourselves better because, well, I'm a church core, I'm this, I'm that. Uh, in the class I'm doing on Wednesday nights, one of the gentlemen mentioned uh, two weeks ago that he was talk, inviting people to church and encouraging them to go, and then one guy made a comment. He said, man, if I go to church, the moment I walk into church, I'm going to catch on fire. I'm going to burn up. With this idea that because he was not perfect, if he came to church, God was going to strike him with lightning. Now, that's how religion wants you to feel. They kind of push you to be good, but that's not true. But we look back and say, well, we're okay, we're fine. I think we've got to be careful that, you know, the Jewish people were wrong where they were in their religious beliefs, just like the Moabite people were. And just because they were God's chosen people doesn't excuse that. So here's the premise. They're in a horrible circumstance. They're in an unthinkable circumstance. where If they're in the middle of a famine, inevitably Elimelech has seen other families die has seen maybe his family or a friend's families die. And he's probably, if you just try to put it into a script, he has tried to find work and he can't. He's tried to provide for his family, he can't. He's trying, he just scrapes by just to get enough food to feed his two daughters and a wife. And I can imagine the, the oppression and the anxiety that must be going through him. And, and it didn't seem to be end in sight, at least at that point. And so I can see from a husband's point of view, I need to go. So he takes his family and he gets out to a place where at least he can feed them. And, uh, and, and don't get me wrong, when we make decisions right or wrong, we justify a lot of them through circumstances. And we'll talk, again, we'll talk about that tomorrow. Now, what we see here is the beginning. They, they sh- Let me just give you a quick overview. They should have never gone to Moab. That was against God's command. While they were there, things did not turn out the way they wanted to. After the famines, they come home. And Ruth comes with. And Ruth is a foreigner now daughter-in-law foreigner who did not have to come back through this process because a lot of people like to focus the majority of their attention kind of like everything that happened is a punishment because of this decision Uh, we'll talk about that tomorrow but be honest with you the premise of the book is not the consequence of god's punishment upon the people because of this none of that the premise of the book is in spite of the times that i make bad decisions God's grace is always there. He says in Galatians, where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. That's what I want to focus on. We think of the kinsman redeemer. What, the picture of Jesus for us in this. And it's a powerful picture. I'm looking forward to continue to study. I just want to take a little bit of time to give a little bit of a background of why this family would leave. We focus so much on Ruth and Naomi, which is pretty much, I mean, up to verse 5, the whole family's there. After verse five, it's done. And it's just Naomi and, and, and Ruth. I mean, it's the first five verses, a lot happens. And we'll get into more of that tomorrow. But when we look at this, I want us to focus more on where God has us, the kinsman redeemer, than we do a negative. Because we, I think we all know we make bad decisions. The question is, what, how do we reconcile? What does God do in those situations? Get a better view of God and a better view of relationship with Him. Well, I'm so glad you've joined us in taking time to be with us as we jump on this brand new study. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing the picture of Christ in the Old Testament again. I'm looking forward to seeing how it all works together with the narrative of Scripture and ultimately with Jesus. And uh, it is just exciting to be in this. I hope you continue to join us. And it truly practical truths that we will find in these four chapters in this time of our study. And we look forward to a great time of Bible study together. And thanks for joining us. And uh, we hope you stick with us through these lessons for the next couple of weeks as we examine God's Word through the Book of Ruth. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next time.